Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this glorious and illustrious Tuesday, February 8th. We got a lot to talk about, all right? We're, we're creeping up on the, on the NBA trade deadline. Uh, Simmons rumors are swirling. The Sixers are going to have to make some sort of move at some point. It's not necessarily going to be Simmons being traded on Thursday. Uh, Thursday at four o'clock is the deadline. Uh, I don't, you know, we could, we'll, we'll be here to talk about whether you think that's going to happen or whether you don't think that's going to happen, or you think it's a better idea. We've, we've discussed this at length and, uh, I, for my own personal gain would love to have a trade done so we can have something to talk about. But also as a Sixers fan, I just want to see this team get better. And the Harden uh, rumors have, uh, I would say escalated since the last time we were on here and, and within the last week. So we'll have that to talk about. We will also talk about the Super Bowl. We will talk about the Eagles uh, draft and everything going on with that. So we got a lot to talk about and we will get to it all here today on this episode. Let's talk about the last week. Uh, it, it necessarily hasn't been as good as the other weeks and the Sixers, you could say, cooled off or... I mean, they definitely blew a couple games that they just should have won, uh, especially the Mavericks game. I mean, the Wizards game was something they definitely should have won, but the Wizards seemingly are a team that kind of just has their number. I don't want to say it like that because we could easily beat them, but it just seems like a team that the Sixers don't play their best against and struggle against. Embiid uh, didn't have a great game, uh, which was he was 11 for 27 from the field, I believe. Yeah, 0 for 3 from 3, missed three free throws of 8, you know. I mean, 27, 14, and 6, that's... That's a great game for anyone else, but th- that night he really wasn't uh, his best. Tobias didn't have a great, I mean, you know, a, a little 7 for 17 performance. It's just the Sixers didn't play well. They kind of blew, they were down early, and then they came back, and then they just let they let the Wizards hang around for way, way, way too long. And, it, you know, it, it it came back to bite them, and they didn't have enough at the end. Uh, getting beat on Kuzma fadeaways and, you know, Kuzma looking like a prime Kobe or whatever. It, it was just kind of disgusting, but, you know, that. So it goes in the NBA, you lose games you shouldn't lose. It lost a game at home that you definitely shouldn't have lost. And then, you know, they go on Friday night, they play the Mavericks. In an ESPN game, the rim gets uh, dislodged or is off balance. And they have to go on almost an hour uh, delay to try and get this rim fixed and, and put back together. That was extremely annoying, especially when you're sitting there at 10 o'clock. It was a 10 o'clock game, right? <clears throat> on, on the West Coast. You don't really feel, you know, it's a Friday night, so you're probably out doing whatever anyway, but no one feels like staying up an extra hour to watch this game, and especially when they just completely collapse at the end. The referees, I thought, didn't help any of the situation. We couldn't score in a 2-3 zone the entire game. Uh, Well, not the entire game, but when they switched to it, I think it was more towards the second half, but it was just a rough, rough loss. Danny Green just looked like, you know, I think he was out of the starting lineup, if, if I remember correctly, and then... You know, he was put in uh, this most this past game. But, uh, Matisse was out, so it just you know it was a game where I, I it was just kind of a disgusting uh, feeling when when you left. Like wow, like that that's a game they should have they should have definitely won. And it's those games that give you pause for concern as to get real excited about the team. But again, you're you're counting on this. All right, this is two in a row. 
the Sixers haven't played this bad all season long. You know, they just making dumb mistakes and not being able to just like just not being able to beat the zone. It, it, it blows my mind sometimes. And this used to happen when Ben was here. We thought, oh, it's you know, we have a guy who can't shoot or doesn't you know doesn't want to shoot, so the zone's always going to work against us. I just think maybe it's a Doc Rivers or NBA situation where it just it throws you off guard. You're not ready for it, and but you know you feel like you should. You feel like you should. I feel like it's a basic thing that should be taken care of. Sunday, the Sixers had a game against the Bulls, uh, number one in the Eastern Conference at the time, and the Sixers came out with a huge win, big game by Embiid, forty and ten, uh, efficient. You know, uh, shooting above fifty uh, percent. Only missed one for ten of eleven from the free throw line, two of four from three. That's that's an awesome game for him. Tobias Harris with an awesome game, twenty three points, ten of fifteen. You know he didn't make any threes, which I would like to see. But Seth Curry with another, you know, eh, five for fifteen. You know Maxi did his thing. As long as he's not out there like turning the ball over a bunch, and he had no turnovers, uh, sixteen points. You know he did his thing. He did his thing for sure. And you got you got all you really needed was like I said when Embiid's putting up 30 plus if you can get one other guy to play well with him you're going to win the game and it and everyone kind of played their role made their shots in this one and it was a big it's a big win to go on I mean especially after you had lost on Friday you're still on the road you know you don't know what back in the day you don't even know if Joel would have played in a game like this or would have been like a questionable situation right now that guy is at the you know at the top of his physical peak and his game right now this might, you know, this is as good of a Joel Embiid as we have ever seen. I'm not saying he can't get better, but you know, like how much better can he get? He's 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 incredible right now. And the Sixers, you know, they, we'll move into a couple games this week where, like tonight, big game against the Suns. I'll be in the building. All right, I, I'm coming out of retirement from my uh, my silent protest of the of the 76ers and the going into the building because of. The last time I was in that building, it, it was Game Seven of the Hawks series, and I watched them collapse again. And it seems like every time I'm in this building for the playoffs or, or, or a big situation or a big game, they 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 just they break my heart, man. They break my heart. I think one of the last ones I was at was, well, I guess that's not true because I was at Game Six of the Sixers Raptors series, and that was incredible. I, I you couldn't have convinced me when I left that building that we weren't going to win the championship. And then we all know what happened the next game. But the Celtics before that, when it was game three of a Celtics series where Brad Stevens just completely outcoached Brett Brown at the end of the game. Sixers ran into each other. Uh, I think Ben and Embiid ran into each other on like some play that was drawn up and the ball was thrown away. Dunk on the other end. Game over. Thanks for coming. 3 nothing Boston. We have no chance to come back in this series. Uh, and that's what being a Sixers fan has been of recent. And I don't want to go down uh, memory lane and negative memory lanes because we're in the future. We're moving forward. So I guess we can talk about more, you know, like, like this is a big game tonight. I, I let's let, let me, let me get back to the, back to the center here. It's a huge game. The Suns are the number one team in the league. Number one team in the Western conference. Uh, you know, they have, they have may match up very well. I mean, you have a, a DeAndre Ayton, Joel Embiid matchup. I, I mean, Joel Embiid's obviously better, but I mean, it's a good uh, test for him. Uh, having the guard guys like uh, Booker and, and Chris Paul, like this is, this is as good of a, t- this is the, one of the best teams in the league. So another uh, benchmark game. We'll see how far away we are, how close we are to uh, competing 
come May, June, you know, and some people will laugh at that. They have no chance or whatever. I, 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 you're probably right. Okay. Whatever. I, I don't really care. I'm just here to, I don't really have, I, I'm just hoping for the best. I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I just want to see what they look like and I will analyze it after. And then maybe I'll have an opinion. I'm like, all right, the opinions change throughout the season or, or when the Sixers were, you know, before Embiid started going like nuclear, and probably before, like, the last 20 games has really been, like, 20, 21 games or whatever. I, I had no belief in this team. I thought it, we were done, and I wasn't going to watch them until until Simmons was traded because he hung over this team like a black cloud. And then it just seemed like Joel took it upon himself to, you know, I, I don't think he was, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think he was healthy early in the season. Uh, we talked about that on here and just how it just seemed like he wasn't in shape or he wasn't ready to go. And I, we, the meniscus was a thing last year. We were just like, how can this still be like, this can't be a lingering issue. He needs to be healthy for this thing to work at all. And it seems like he's gotten healthy and he's turned into the MVP and, and one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA. And that's not even a crazy statement to say when you are leading like most people's thoughts of who the MVP is. When you are the best player on your team by far, and you are carrying a team to uh, relevance in the Eastern Conference, because if the Sixers did not have Joel Embiid, you know you could sit, you know, who who knows where the, how bad they would be, right? They would be nothing without him. They need him. So it's great to see his evolution and how incredible he's gotten just in in the past few, you know. Just in the past few months, let alone years. I mean, he obviously has gotten better every single season. Something we can't say about twenty-five, but he—it's just remarkable and an absolute honor to watch on a night in and night out basis. And I am not taking this for granted at all because I remember how bad those days were when we were awful, and I would watch the game still when we would win ten games a season. And we had the Tim Frazier's and the Henry Sims, Hollis Thompson, and all my people out there listening. You you know you know because if you listen to this podcast, you're you're about as hardcore as it gets. That that, that shit was as awful. When you think about it now, you're like, I can't even believe we were like watching that shit. And there's a reason why people like our parents' age and uh, you know anyone older than the than the age of what were we at the time in high school? Kids, basically, you're a Sixers fan. You have no choice. You're just buying into whatever pretty much is going on because you haven't seen all this negativity like all all the people older have and have seen this shit before and they're just like oh yeah they stink i'm not watching so to see how things have changed and just how uh like you know when people say is it all worth it to lose all these games and all the discussion when when joel was sitting out with foot injury after foot injury and there was two conversations about the back, and you all, people told you he's Greg Oden. He's never going to play again. You know he's not going to. He's going to be a bust. What? What? You wasted all this time and all these picks, and, and, and we missed on a lot of them. You know, and not Ben's not even including that because Ben's been an all star, and it, that's just a completely different situation. There, he's could be. It's just more of a mentality potential sort of situation. You, you just believe he could be better. He definitely could be better, you know, and he just isn't. He's not. And, and I, it's it's just, it more of as like a the belief that we had in him and the, the, the potential and the ability we see in him. It more sours you on anything else that he does well because he can't. He, and it's more like he can't even accept the fact that, you know, 
he's not as good as he should be. I guess uh, I guess I'm getting a little too deep today. I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but let me try to move back to the uh, to the middle here. Just talk about the James Harden situation, the back and forth between the Nets and the Sixers, and the reports going out and. James is telling the team one thing. The Sixers believe another thing. He's secretly behind the scenes trying to work away out of Brooklyn and out of the net situation, but he's telling KD and got other guys one thing. It's just a, there's a lot going on. I don't. My instinct and my gut tells me that he's not going. This isn't going to happen because it would help us too much and hurt them too much. It just doesn't make sense for them unless we were giving. Something, you know, uh, like a crazy package that, I don't know, like, I just think maybe, maybe he is so, like, upset there and and malcontent and it's not working and he's, like, he's sitting out games, they kind of believe him, they don't believe him with the hamstrings, he's sitting out again tonight, Uh, you know, that's just... That just doesn't seem like we're, I I feel like it would be like a blessing, like we're, we get, we don't get that lucky. The Sixers don't get that lucky ever. That that someone just falls into their lap like that, like James Harden, you know? So, I want to believe it. I truly do. I just don't believe it's actually going to happen. It's Tuesday. Maybe, you know, the people are still saying it's very possible. And I believe it's possible. I just am leaning the other way. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't throw Maxi in there. I would not because it's just, you're, I, I just, I don't know if that's something I really want to do. I'd rather expend all other options before I trade Tyrese Maxey and Ben. You know, well, I have no problem trading Ben Simmons, but Maxey, I just view as a nice compliment to a James Harden type of player who can take the ball out of his hands and doesn't necessarily, like he can then spot up and create his own shot. He doesn't have to be the primary ball handler at all times, and that's not necessarily the worst thing, right? And it would... I'm sure allow his game to grow even more than it already has. I just I believe in his ability and his talent and how much the the work and, and the the real work the work that you can see has is getting him better and you can see a growth and just progress. That's what I see with Tyrese Maxey. That's why I don't want to get rid of him. I would love to you know I would rather throw Thibel in there. I I love uh, his defense and everything else, but. That's just not a guy that would stop me from getting James Harden. And maybe I'm wrong for thinking I wouldn't throw Maxi in for James Harden. But with this hamstring and him getting older, not exactly being in, uh, you would say, peak physical shape at all times during the season, uh, especially these last couple years, I just, you know, and his noted uh, lifestyle, uh, love loving to uh, hit the nightclub scene. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's just a lot of, it gives me pause for concern that we're just not going to get that lucky. And if we do, how like how good, how what version of James Harden are we going to get and how long are we going to get him for? Because he's still an incredible player, one of the top 10 players in the league. And getting him automatically puts us, if not the number one team, you know, we are absolutely competing with all those other uh, Eastern Conference teams like the like the Bucks, the Heat, the, you know the Nets, because the Nets would still be very formidable uh, once KD comes back and if Ben were to actually come back and be in, in good shape and able to play basketball and not uh, you know not just completely forgot how to play the game. So 
We will see about all that as I do this, as I record the podcast. The Pacers are trading DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Jeremy Lamb. That's what that's what the Woj tweet says. So two Jeremy Lambs. Uh, he has been cloned and hybrided to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So I, I don't know exactly who what who wins in that move or what the Kings are really doing there. Trading a young player and getting—I mean, Demontis Sabonis is is an awesome player, but I just—that's such a lateral move for both teams. I—I I, I don't really, you know, I don't really see it. But maybe, maybe as more time goes on, I'm able to process it. I'll figure it out. But let's keep it moving, keep it going. It seems to be the only move that anyone's talking about is Harden for uh, Ben Simmons, or that being the main the main uh, course there. Um, but, you know, Bradley Beal is still a name that I probably, no, I wouldn't say maybe prefer necessarily just given basketball ability, but the situation that they're kind of in and uh, the age and, and just that intrigues me, I would say, a little bit more. And uh, I guess, you know, maybe I'm overblowing this Harden thing. Maybe he's just trying to get traded, but I just, he, it seems like he, this is a thing of his. I mean, he's at the Nets, you know, he's still not happy, so... Uh, I don't know. Maybe he wants to come here and he really loves Maury and all that. Maybe that I would love to believe that and truly get behind that. But am I, am, is that something I'm supposed to really trust or believe? I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. Like I said, that being matched up with the fact that I just don't believe it to begin with. I'm not, I can't get excited about it. And that's why I'm being the negative Nancy on, on the Harden deal. Uh, I would love the Bradley, <coughs> Bradley Beal deal. Um, and that's only really the names that you're hearing now. Uh, the CJ McCollum was traded today for Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and players of that nature. I that uh, didn't really make much sense for me from the Blazer standpoint because now they're telling people with nearly sixty million in cap space, something along those lines, that they are going to rebuild around CJ or uh, Damian Lillard. They're going to go out and get new talent and, and try to attract people in, in the free agent market. I, I think it made it sound like, are there players here at the deadline? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, if that makes any sense or why Damian Lillard would continue to, you know, I mean, loyalty is something that that man is not short of. So I, I don't, it's not surprising, but, I, I just at a certain point you got to you know you got to take care of you you got to you got to try if you really want to win this championship I I don't see it happening in Portland and I don't see how it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, he he's that team did not in my opinion did not get better. Maybe maybe that with that money and the freeing it up that they're going to try and make a swing a move or something like that. But who is you know they want Tobias? Hey hey. No, I, I, and I don't know if they would even want that or if we would even want to do that. I saw the trade uh, today talking about Tobias going to OKC for um, oh, like there was they, it was just like a kind of a salary dump to get rid of or like get uh, Derek Favors or something along those lines. And I was like, ugh, why in God's name would I want to do that? Why why would why would that help us? Why why would we want anything to do with that? No, thank you. No, thank you. Okay. Uh, I've seen a mock deal here. This is Simmons, Charles Basley, or Basie, Bassey, 
whoever you say that name, I'm, I am uh, apologize for not being uh, 100% right here. And Paul Reed to Washington Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie, Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Denny Av- Av- Avdija. Avdija? Uh, I don't. If you want, listen to the MMA podcast, I am not good at the pronunciation of some of these names. And Corey Kispert and the 2022 first round and a 2024 first round pick. So why would the Sixers do this deal? It says, uh, should they at this point? Absolutely. It says, will the 76ers trade a, a collection for a collection of role players, prospects, and picks? Probably not. Should they at this point? Absolutely. A Philly team suddenly gets a surge of talent and trade assets to play with for its championship push. Dinwiddie gives the team another ball handler in the backcourt, which, yeah, but I, I mean, the things you, they're, they're saying about him down there is like he's, he, I, you can't even want to, you don't even want to deal with that bullshit or like he's, people hate him and he doesn't play. Like, I would, that, that one thing that came out was awful. Caldwell Pope. His 3 and D play and title experience will be needed. Uh, Avdija and Corey Kispert were first-round picks each of the past two years, and two additional first gives the Sixers some serious trade ammo. So, uh, would you do that? I probably would. I would know. I, I don't. I'm not. That's not what we're here for. I don't know if that's some. I mean, I understand the thinking and the thought process there, but even as much as I want to get rid of Simmons, that's not something I'm really down to do. Even though you might, that might, you might find some value in those picks and everything. Uh, Danny Green more likely to be a part of Ben Simmons and James Harden deal than Curry, Thibel, or Maxi. That's via the Philly Voice a couple hours ago. Um, and a lot of this is just people going back. I mean, Joel Embiid was on the radio yesterday talking about how he's, you know, he doesn't hate anybody and he would welcome him back with open arms and we're better with him and all that, all that, all that uh, typical speak, which we've heard before and he has to say it and people are saying he might come back if he doesn't get traded that he might come back in in the second half of this season and I don't know how I feel about that or you know that's that's awful I think that that is just something that's going to tank this season 100% so that scares the shit out of me I would I would love 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 to get a deal done here before this trade deadline and able to get something that we you know of those two players that I named James Harden and uh Bradley Beal, and also I was, you know, I was another name I was willing to consider was a Karis Levert and Demontis a bonus deal, but Karis Levert was traded to Cleveland, you know, and Demontis is now in uh, Sacramento. I don't know what's up with my voice cracks today. I got like three so far on the podcast, <clears throat> but you know, uh, we'll have to we'll have to follow this and monitor this, and I think I'm going to have another podcast on Friday, given if we do or do anything, you know, uh, do or don't do anything, I should say, um, because that's just. I want to talk about it, and I'm I'm here to. This is what I'm here to do, baby. And this is the kind of stuff as fans that I love talking about and love get like, you know, the the trade deadlines and the free agencies for any of the, of the things have been some of my favorite parts of following sports and, and the when the back in the Phillies days when they would sign Cliff Lee and, and trade you know trading for Roy Holiday and you know getting even the trade deadline getting Roy Oswald guys like that Hunter Pence like that that was awesome those days that was incredible when the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler when they signed Elton Brand as crazy as that sounds traded for Tobias Harris you know like it's all this stuff has been incredibly fun to follow and you know when the Eagles got Asante Samuel that's another one that pops up right away Namdi Asmoa oh man how about it TO you know like it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And Thursday, maybe we'll get to see some crazy shit. Maybe we won't. Um, but I'm looking forward to it either way. Quickly, did want to mix in some Super Bowl talk real quick. Uh, Bengals, Rams this weekend, Sunday. 
I am picking the Rams. I'm going with the Rams pretty heavy. I do believe they will cover, and I don't. I'm you know I want to believe in the Bengals, and I told you I'm going to root for them, and I just have to tell you what I think is going to happen. Uh, like I, I do this a lot on the pod, on the MMA podcast, so I'm going to keep plugging that. But you know, there's certain guys you just don't like. You know, I like I like Habib. I would say I don't like him. You know, I probably it's a it's a personal beef. Yeah, I have a really good reason for it. You know, I will start breaking out reasons when you ask me. But do I respect his ability? Do I know he's going to win every time he pretty much goes out there and every time he has one? Uh, yes. Will I ever really pick against him? No. This is not exactly that same situation. But with the Rams, I just think that they're off the offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals is going to get chewed up. That they the defensive line for the, for the Rams has shown how powerful they are and how much they have an ability to flip a game on its head and just make a quarterback's life a living hell. And if they can keep Burrow in the pocket and just attack him and go after him, make him hold the ball, you know, with guys like Ramsey down the field, I, I just think it's going to be a tough... If they can keep Jamar Chase in check and having a guy like Jalen Ramsey, it seems like that's the only guy that in the league you would want to cover him one-on-one. And I know he doesn't do a ton of that. Um, you know, not not every game, I should say, he does do a lot of it. But sometimes you see him in the middle of the field because teams don't have, like, that great of a of receiving threat to, you know, just neutralize him. And then they just attack the middle of the field in other spots. So I've seen him play, like, a nickel sort of situation and kind of keep him in the action throughout the whole game. I This game, you would imagine he's probably going to guard. Uh, that's the fourth voice crack. So uh, you can tell I'm really I'm battling through this. I don't know what's going on here with the voice, but uh, you know this is like some days. You know when Roy Holiday or somebody like that would come out, they just didn't have their fastball, and, and I'm I'm really trying to paint the corners right now. But sometimes a voice crack comes out, and I get I get a double slapped off the wall. All right, you know I, I I'm a, I am only human. Uh, I accept responsibility for this, you know. But with, like I said, with the Super Bowl, it's it's kind of cut and dry for me, and that just that simple. Am I going to be rooting for Joe Barrow to pull some crazy shit? Absolutely. I like the Cincinnati defense. So if they can keep it relatively low scoring and Burrow can get up to 28, 24 points, they definitely can win this game. I just think that with OBJ, Cooper Cup, and Stafford and McVay having two weeks to prepare, and I just, just something something tells me it's McVay's time and that this the Cinderella run for the Bengals is going to come short. I really hope it's not that not the case, and I'll be happy if I'm wrong, but... I just I got to tell you what I think is going to happen. Give me give me the Rams. Give me the minus four and a half. Now on to the Eagles, our beloved Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles, the Birds. Always something to talk about when it comes to the Birds. Uh, right now, a lot of the conversation is surrounded around what they should do with quarterback, what they should do with the draft pick. Should they trade them? Should they package them together and go and get a quarterback? A lot of that is out of our control. We don't know what the price would be who's available, and who would actually want to come here. The last discussions um, or rumors were that Sean Watson didn't want to come here, wanted to go to Miami, and that uh, Russell Wilson had named three or four teams, and you know none of them really wanted to make the deal, and Seattle at the time wasn't really willing to move uh, off of Russell Wilson. And Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is the uh, outlier, but uh, main... Um, the main thinking and the thought process behind that is that he's not coming to Philadelphia, and it's just not a uh, 
desirable destination for him at this point. Uh, Nashville, you know, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns are names that you'll hear out there floated just that need a quarterback and he have a sort of ready-made roster ready to compete for a title. I think, you know, my thinking has gone back and forth on this. I obviously have told you guys on here that I don't believe Jalen Hurts is the long-term answer. I think he is more of a stopgap sort of quarterback and, and something that is going to eventually hold you back in the long run. So that's one of the main reasons why I want to look in different directions and look for different options at the quarterback position. It's nothing, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he could turn into a great player, but I just don't see the reason. And obviously it's the right, it has to be the right deal. The good thing about this is Jalen Hurts is competent enough and good enough to, you know, it's not the end of the world if you have to roll back into next season with him. Uh, I'm not saying he's like, we are screwed if we come back with him. It's just, I feel like, you know, especially the way I've followed the Eagles for a very long time and just the how I also would view it, if there's a way you can get better at a certain position, especially a position as important as the quarterback, you would be stupid to not explore all those avenues. And Deshaun Watson is one of those guys that you definitely know the Eagles are trying to make a move or, or pay the price or whatever it is, and we have all the ammo and assets necessary to make a move like that. He's never going to play for the Texans again. He's made that very clear, and there's a lot of different variables, of course, with this one, seeing as all the sexual assault and court cases, and just he doesn't seem to be a really great dude, so that's also something you have to uh, take into consideration, but it's the ta- if we're talking about just the talent and the quarterback and how to make the football team better, that's probably your best option, right? The best reasonable option that you could pay the price and make it, you know, maybe convince him to want to play here. Maybe he just wants to get a new start. The Miami thing won't work out and we get, and we're able to able to secure his rights. Now, I'm starting to become open or leaning into the Russell Wilson uh scenario, which I think would maybe be the best of both worlds where we don't necessarily have to trade as much like we would for Deshaun Watson, because I just think, given Russell's age and he, you know, is some people view on the the downturn of his career or is going to fall off, had a bad year this year with, you know, he had the finger injury and never kind of came back a little too quick from it. Still last year, he had like 40 touchdowns, and, you know, had a great year last year and maybe this year was just an outlier. That's, that's some of the thought process. I'd be willing to take that chance for maybe two first-round picks and some other draft consideration or add-ins. Maybe they do want Jalen Hurts or something like that. You know, I just, I, I don't. I'm hearing that Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to give him all three first-rounders this year, uh, multiple seconds, maybe a player. Like that's that's a lot. You know, that's a lot, especially for a guy who has a lot hanging over his head and is not just a clean cut. Get him, and you know, you don't have to worry about him being suspended or anything like that. I'm not telling you I'm a, I'm totally against it. I don't I I obviously don't want that to happen because I just don't I you know I he's a great player but I just don't seem I just doesn't seem to me like that's that's the most feasible and responsible move. Now you could make that move have everything be cleared and this is a thought of the past years from now and they win Super Bowl after Super Bowl it's a fifth voice crack right there. Maybe maybe I, that you know, maybe that's the move and that's the right way to go. And he's suspended for four games or whatever to begin his, uh, his Eagle career. And then after that, it's just, you know, smooth sailing and 
he has a great connection with Devontae Smith, and and they're able to build this team around him that, you know, with, with whatever they can, you know, able to get in free agency and the remaining draft picks that they have. It's not like they've exactly hit on a bunch of these first-rounders anyway. So I understand that thinking. But I just feel like Russell Wilson, you know, without the baggage, without all of the nonsense uh, following around him and, you know, his – I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. He's shown that he can compete at the highest level in the NFL – and he's accurate. He's you know he's everything you could you know you want Jalen Hurts to become. So you're just trading for the already advanced and upgraded and all that version, the progressed version, the the best version that Jalen Hurts could ever be. And, and I think if you could get him for not three, you know, not more without mortgaging your future or you know maybe two for you know what I'm saying like it's just not every not the whole our whole uh, Rolodex uh, of picks this year. Or not having to do all of that, and we could still maybe build a little bit of a, you know, put maybe get a linebacker or get a D end or get somebody a secondary guy, somebody to help the defense. We could also still spend money, you know. I mean, I don't know how much money we would have left over. I'm sure the cap situation would be tough, but I just, I just feel like I guess you can't go wrong either way. And this is probably why what's going to wind up happening is the Eagles are just going to come home with. Jalen Hurts as their quarterback next year, and they're probably going to use these three picks, maybe use two of them, trade one for next year, uh, next year's pick or something along those lines to maybe kick the can down the road and keep it available for the future that they they could make a move for a quarterback if one became available. I mean, Kyler Murray's a name that has kind of just been floated out there of uh, recent last couple days because of um, his removing of all of Cardinal and all you know, sort of like football, you know, because his whole football life has been with the Cardinals, uh, just removing the Cardinals from his Instagram and, and all facets, stop following them, all that nonsense. But and it, it is notable. It, it's when you do that, you're sending a message. So, you know, he's after his third year and after your third year, you become eligible for an extension. And maybe he, the conversations he's had with the Cardinals and, you know, with, with his agent and everything have not gone the way that they maybe thought they were going to go. Maybe they thought that the Cardinals would be ready to go and be ready to commit to him for the long term. And if you look at it from the Cardinals standpoint, you're talking about a guy who hasn't really won you anything yet. He's come up short and he came up short in the big game this year. Uh, he's been hurt in multiple seasons. He's uh, sort of, I would say, run out of gas and fallen fallen off towards the end of years. Um, you know, if I'm the Eagles, maybe I would look into something like that and, and make a move for a guy like of Cal- Kyler Murray's talent and abilities. But it would all depend on price. I think that's a lot of the situation here. It's all depending on what the price is, how you know who it is, how can we get you know a team around him to actually still you know. And the belief is that if you get the Sean Watson, you don't really need a, an incredible team around him. He is that good and that much of a game-changing special player. That you can just, you know, you already have a Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard and a solid offensive line. You know, you would get Kelsey to come back then and maybe you could make a run at it this year. You know, that that's the thinking. I don't think it's that far off. I just would like to be able to also supplement the defense and not have the defense continually be a uh, sore spot and sort of just starting guys that really shouldn't be out there. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but... You know, maybe the Steven Nelsons of the world and the Alex Singletons and the, you know, I mean, TJ Edwards had a good year this year, but the D-line was, was very good. And Milton, Milton Williams and guys of that nature have, 
uh, well outperformed or exceeded expectations, I should say. And you got them in the draft, not actually early in the draft. So let's get into the mock drafts right now. This this week's is from Walter Football. Love Walter Football. Always have. Uh, their their site is buggy as hell, but I still just trust their information. Um, I think it's important to note the Carolina Panthers pick Malik Willis here in this draft. Uh, the first the first pick is let me see here. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. The second pick is Kenny Pickett. Aiden Hutchinson. David Ajogbo, who uh, we talked about last week, the Eagles possibly getting. So this is a completely different look at what the Eagles might have available uh, later on come come draft season. And, and you know, this is all going to change. The more the talk, the the narrative switch, and the the different uh, should I say hype and discussion start to build. You know, behind certain guys, and the, the the hype starts to become real. So let me skip by. You know, Sauce Gardner going twelve, Garrett Wilson thirteen. So the Eagles, their first pick here, Kyle uh, Kyle Hamilton here via Walter Football. Like I said, Kyle Hamilton is available in this draft. The Eagles missed the days when Brian Dawkins. You know, when Brian Dawkins used to patrol their secondary, they could go for an elite safety with this selection. The very physically gifted Kyle Hamilton showed lots of promise in his freshman year. He's a rare safety prospect who could go in the top five. Yeah, so I don't see him being there at 15, but if he is, you have to select him. You cannot, you can't pass on uh, uh, an ability to get a a game-changing, you know, game-breaking safety like that. Uh, And, you know, that article is where we haven't had a guy like that since Brian Dawkins. And Brian Dawkins is a Hall of Famer, so that's quite the shoes to come in and fill, but this eagle, the, the next Eagles pick is Trent McDuffie from the University of Washington. He's a cornerback. Uh, they're kind of just naming here that Darius Slay turns 31. They're going to try and supplement their secondary and, uh, you know, kind of just try to get some extra guys in there. Never bad to build depth, and especially picking these guys that, you know, that high. You're going to get quality talent. Um, you know, the last Washington cornerback we picked uh, didn't do well here, but, you know, then went on and had a good season after he left. That would be Sidney Jones. Shout out to Sidney Jones the fourth, who was coming off an Achilles injury and everything. So you know, I don't blame the man. It took him a while to come back from that. And the nineteenth pick, the Eagles are going to select Drake London. Now, I think the other draft uh, mock draft that we read last week, which was an NFL.com, I believe, also had us picking Drake London. And I love, I love the idea of picking Drake London. I told you before, I'm not exactly. I would rather spend the money on a wide receiver and get somebody else in here to stand next to Devonte Smith, you know, on the other side. But I, I don't hate the idea of picking a six, five wide receiver in this draft. And, and people have touted this guy and believe in him. Howie Roseman may pull a Matt Millen and draft a receiver in the first round for the third consecutive year. That's not a great comparison, but Jalen Rager has been a total disaster and must be replaced. Absolutely facts. Drake London has, has Mitch mismatched size and he could be in for a big 2021 season with other receivers gone. That was from obviously before the season, but he uh, the the update they've updated these uh, you know recently as as of February 3rd. So about you know a little less than a week ago, they they you know well I trust Walter Football in here. So and, and I also did want to do a quick mock draft simulator for the birds, and just to see you know if it's our call and we get to decide what's going on. You know, like what what would we do? What what would be our automatic pick here? What would we decide if we were, you know, calling the shots and if the hot take hot box 
was in position to be the general manager of the, of this ordeal. So here I've already uh, simulated through to 15. Aiden Hutchinson goes 1, Kyle Hamilton 2, Evan Neal 3, Thibodeau 4, Stingley Jr. 5. Uh, and there's no quarterback. Matt Corral goes 9, Sauce Gardner 10, Kenny Pickett 11 to Washington. And those are the quarterbacks that go off the board, so I always think that's uh, notable. And right now they have the best available player is either Devin Lloyd or N'Kobe Dean. I love N'Kobe Dean. Uh, you know, played incredible in the national championship. And that's just somebody I would love to have. And I think if, if he's available here in this slot, I don't I wouldn't wouldn't be horribly sick if they pick N'Kobe Dean or I mean uh, Devin Lloyd, but I'm going N'Kobe Dean, linebacker, uh, Georgia. Now, next pick, you could run it back right right away with linebackers and, and just do that all over again. Um, it seems like Chris Olav's available. Jamison Williams uh, with the ACL is not exactly the number one guy I would want to pick. This uh, Bernhard Raymond guy from Central Michigan seems appealing. You got a Sam Howell situation, but I'm probably going to go Drake London. Uh, I just like that. Uh, right now we're where we stand and we do need another wide receiver and especially if we are going to uh, roll into the season with Jalen Hurts we need a big target for him and if we can't spend the money on him then give me Drake London uh, Chris Olav just went uh, the two guys that went ahead of cut will are uh, Elam from from the uh, he's a quarterback from Florida and Chris Olav from Ohio State so Devin Lloyd's still there uh, McDuffie's still there uh, you know, I don't know if I would pick a quarterback here or do anything of that nature. I'm probably either going to pick this tackle. I probably would pick the tackle. You know, and I don't know much about him. Uh, I would have to uh, learn more and get more into the uh, the draft aspect of everything. But give me Bernhard Raymond, tackle from Central Michigan, and I call that a nice draft. Uh, we we hit all different facets. Um, obviously, you'd have to know if he can play guard because that's kind of what you need. Uh, could he move inside? Could you move someone else inside? And that's all the mock draft talk we got today. That's the, that is what I did want to touch on. We did Sixers. We did Super Bowl. We did Eagles. Uh, baseball is not trending in the right direction. It hasn't uh, exactly moved much. They want to bring a mediator in and everything, and it's just a lot of uh, – talk about money and billions of dollars being shared back and forth and the big guys trying to help the little guys. And uh, it's just a lot of stuff that I don't truly care about. I just want to, you know, I understand why they care about it and why they have to do it. And that's all good and well, but I want to watch baseball. I want to have baseball on in the summer. I want to be able to go to a baseball game. I love baseball. So I just would like them to figure it out. Please, I'm asking you, uh, be nice and agree to something so we can have a baseball season and not have a shortened season or anything like that. I want a full 162-game baseball season. That's all I ask. Flyers, not much going on there. They had the All-Star weekend. Of course, Claude Giroux wins the MVP, which is like whatever, dude. And, you know, Gritty's out there dancing. And we're such a fucking joke of a franchise. It's, it is it is what it is, you know. So that'll wrap it up here today for the Hot Take Hotbox. I, like I said, I will... More than likely do an episode on Friday afternoon or uh, Thursday afternoon or, or probably more Friday afternoon, especially if the, a move is done. And even if it's not done, I would like to talk about 
where we look at going into the the stretch run for the playoffs and how how you know maybe we'll even talk about other moves that may get made or may not get made or what what could have happened what didn't happen it seems like there's a lot of uh, shaking and shifting going on here uh already different rumors coming out and People are saying James Harden, uh, you know, is sitting out on purpose. I saw a report from the from that from a James Matthews. So it's just going to keep evolving as the time goes on, and uh, I'll be here to talk about it. And I appreciate everyone for always listening. This is the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney.